BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Wow. All right. Yeah. You tell, this is, again, this is the best time of the year, but you and I both should not go into the um, prognostication oh, business. Yeah. Who would have thought that those the teams, the four teams that are there are left, right? We were bad on all of our Dallas picks. and Vegas over in the West, and you got to Toronto, or excuse me, uh, Florida and uh, and Carolina. What, and so the, those are the four teams, but who's going to get fired now because they did go Toronto? The Toronto, something's got to Toronto's. Happen. Yeah, that's a big right. mess. That team's been together for a long time. They finally made the second round, and then they. Uh, I just don't know. I know Kyle Dubas, from what I heard, is just a really intelligent man, really in the analytics and everything, but just question whether he knows how to put a team together, like a real true team, right, that, that can win. So. But, I mean, what you, well, you're a Toronto guy, and yeah. I, I don't, you know, that's now it's longer than the Rangers drought. Yeah, but you know what? I almost wonder that it's gone on for so long. It's like, well, that's just the Leafs. So. Well, it was just the Rangers when you were playing there, too, yeah. right? I know, sure. Yeah, that's another story, right? The Rangers getting out, uh, be out the way they did, and jerk along, getting fired, so. Oh yeah, that's right. We hadn't talked about that since. Yeah, yeah he got the not he got uh, they mutually parted ways, yeah. but he got fired. You know, I'd really love to. We've speculated, you know, to just bringing in Tarasenko and Kane. Did that upset the apple cart a little bit? Uh, but they're professional players. Like it's just you feel you, the thing for me is they showed, especially last year in the playoffs, what a competitive group of players they were. Like you know, yeah, to fight back yep. games, series to fight back. Lindgren coming back and playing when he was hurt. Shosturkin didn't start off great, but then he came back and played great. So. To play the way they did, um, and guys that I really liked too, like Kreider, just just seemed like sometimes it wasn't all the time too. Some games they had it. Advantage had. Where was he? Fox had a terrible game seven. Okay. These guys played great last year, like you said, and then and Panarin was uh, was a ghost. But yeah, even the kids didn't do much. I mean, who, you were just with uh, K. Andre Miller yeah. at, at an event at the yeah. Garden. What's what's the deal with him? He's up for contracts. So and what are they going to do there? What do you think? Wow, me too. To me, again, he's only played five years of defense. Uh, I didn't know that till this year. I can't remember where I heard that someplace. But um, his future is unbelievable. He's a big guy that can skate. He's got skill. So they they got to stick with him. And uh, you know, again, it, a big player like that that's just getting used to playing defense. Like to, like for me, I started playing defense when I was like six or seven years old. Didn't play in the NHL till I was 21, 22. That's a lot of year right. of learning. Because at the end, it's learning. So hot, playing defense in the NHL. You can't overthink the game. It's like you have to know by instinct what a, you know. What's the score of the game? What's the ice conditions? Who am I out here with? Who am I out there against? And then all that stuff has to be done in a split second to make a decision. So we haven't played that long. It takes you the longest. But great athlete, great size, and like you said, he's so skilled. You know, and he's shown you so many flashes. I mean, he made a lot of mistakes, but as any young yeah. defenseman is gonna. But he's shown so many flashes. You're like, this guy's gonna be legit. Yeah. Now at Lafreniere, different story though. Man, that's, that's a tough one to not have any didn't have a goal in the seven game series especially when you look over in New Jersey and uh, Heesher and Hughes are playing so great right. and then the young kids who I thought Heedle had a fantastic regular season but even during the playoffs it just wasn't there for them. No. and that's going to be the thing because in the past when you look at the Rangers you're saying okay not only can they be good now but they're going to be good for a long time with all those good young players now again that's it's one playoff series that the regular season was a good regular season but now it's like okay these guys really need to get it going but I, I think you know, there's a lot of arguments both ways with him. And I think with him and Kako both, even Heedle, uh, you know, a lot of the argument is that they don't get a lot of minutes. They do, but, you know, they, they don't get a lot of power play time. And as you know, uh, you're not a scorer, obviously, but scorers get their confidence on the power play. 
And if they're not, they're getting seconds here and there. They're never going to get that that confidence. And that's the thing when they made the trade for Tarasenko and Kane. Now you got six right. guys with Trocheck, so it's a Banajad, Panarin, and Kreider. So you got six guys that are right. going to be above those young kids in yep. the power play. But yeah, again, you have to go make those trades, especially with Kane, where he was so public that he wanted to come to the Rangers. Yep. I mean, Chris Drury was left no choice. He had to. And they really didn't give up that much for him. Yeah, totally. But you didn't get you didn't get superstar Patrick Kane. You got you know battle damaged Patrick right. Kane. And the problem with that is again, it's not Drury's fault. It's not Gallant's fault. But Kane, now you have to play him. Yep. So now he's taking up a spot that maybe Heedle could be taking or somebody else. Sure. So that's it's going to be a fun summer in Rangerland. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens next year, right? I mean, it looks like Kane will not be coming back. Tarasenko, possibly. I don't know. Um, because, again, you do have to look and say, listen, if we like you mentioned with the ice time for the young kids, they have to play if you're going to yep. get them to the level. Or else you've wasted a first overall pick, pick in the draft yep. or a second overall first and second. They got to play. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And then, you know, a scary thing that's coming out lately is that the Devils are looking into acquiring Connor Hellebuck from Winnipeg. Oh, I didn't hear that. That would be... Oh, you're the scoop man. I, well, yeah, yes, the scoop man. But no, that's that's a big. I mean, if they super duper. <laughs> what is that? Booper scooper. Scooper duper. Listen, if they get Connor Hellebuck, that changes that team because he's a phenomenal goalie, former Vesna winner. That's the Vancouver goal. or Winnipeg. It changed. Sometimes he gets he plays for both. <laughs> Why would Winnipeg be trading him? I think his contract's up or it's coming to an end. Oh. Um, but yeah, if Hellebuck moves to the Devils, that's that's Ooh. huge. And then now you're looking at a team who could possibly be the front runner in the in the division for the next few years. What now? Yeah, you look at this the, this conference, Eastern Conference, how to it Boston, Carolina, Florida playing the way they've yeah. now. Can they continue that? So yeah, so for the Rangers, it's I mean, listen, I still have a ton of confidence in this team. It's just they, they really need to and again, I was a huge fan of Jared Gallant, uh, but apparently, you know, Chris Drury makes a move that uh, that was there's all the rumors about them happening. Yeah, big shouting match after game four. I mean, the Rangers laid a couple of eggs in the playoffs, yeah. and that doesn't that should not happen. So something sums up there. But let's let's go uh, let's go after it. Let's see if we can finally get something right. Um, Florida, Carolina, who do you got? You know, Florida's that team. Like I remember Vegas in their first year, they kept winning all the time. and kept saying they can't keep winning. They're not going to go to the finals. Then they kept winning. And they went to the finals. So maybe Florida's that team this year. So. I just I, I like Carolina so much. They just like Rod Brindamore. Hey, there you go. Uh, I'll change it this time. I just love the way he coaches. He gets so much out of his team. They play the way he, yeah, they play the way he played. Uh, man, just you see a team like Florida on a roll. I'm going to go to Carolina. Okay. I, you know, I'll go against you. I, you know, I, you know, I have family in Carolina. I go there all the time. I'm going to, I think Florida's going to win this. Whatever happens, it's great for hockey in the South and for the growth of, of the game, which is already kind of exploding, but this will, this should jack it up. That's a good point about, about great for hockey in the South. I wonder how the NHL's feeling. You know, so you don't have any Toronto teams and you don't have a New York team, no Chicago, LA, anything like that. You've got like smaller market teams, which I mean, in the past when Carolina has been in the playoffs and won the Stanley Cup, I mean, it's a huge for that area. Yep. So it's, uh, I'm well, sure the range, the league has kind of mixed. Well, here's, here's the, 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 the juggle. What's better for TV and what's better for growth of the game, you know? Yeah. So growth yeah. of the game is these markets being yeah. the finals, but growth of TV is obviously New York, LA, New York, you know, Toronto, uh, LA or Montreal, you know, yeah. something traditional. I'm sure like ESPN and TNT are like, because you, I mean, you could have Vegas versus Carolina in the finals. Yeah, but, yeah. But all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Florida. You're gonna take Carolina. Yep. Let's go to the 16, West. Sixteen years, by the way. The West. Uh, so I'm the biggest Jack Eichel. Uh, That's true. Uh, guy. <laughs> but listen, I don't think he's played bad. It's just, he hasn't carried the team. But uh, again, that that is a good hockey team. Like Stone, I'm a big fan of there in Vegas. Uh, uh, Peter Angelo. Peter Angelo yeah. going hacking people after you know at the yeah. end game. Well, but that's. Did you ever two-hand somebody like that, like openly, viciously? Uh, I didn't. I, I had a few forearm shivers. I uh, wasn't slashing. So we uh, were playing in the, well, twice we did this. We were playing against the Kings. And the Jimmy Carson, who I played with, was part of the trade that sent Wayne to L.A. and Jerry Carson up there. And uh, we were losing in the series three games to one. And Timmy Waters and I were playing together. And we said, we got to change things. So uh, I ran Jimmy Carson we, uh, on the boards to give him the forearm shiver. I knocked him out cold, actually, too. And he was, uh, I played with a good kid, too, and I uh, it's just that you wanted to win. All right. So after, what'd you do after that? You you, you t- file him up? Did you get his number? Like what, what happened? He's went out with your life. Yeah. So Let's see where Bobby, Bobby. Well, actually, Bobby Nice when he did it to me, he did call me up. So yeah, and like Robert Picard, you waited forty years before we got him on the podcast. Which people will hear coming up. Think about how like how much more special it was to have to wait the forty years and then finally have me apologize. Yeah. There you go. Right? So it's like a simmer life simmer. life changing. Yeah. I'm sure he's probably a lot different person. Now, yeah. All right. So Vegas Dallas. What do you got? Uh, you know, I, people have told me right from day one, how good Dallas was. I didn't really see how good they were, but obviously other people, were right. 
I, I like Vegas, so I, I just question Vegas's goaltending whether it's good enough. Um, so I'm going to go with Dallas. I'm going to go Dallas to sixteen. I'm going to also go Dallas. Dallas has a great goaltender. Yeah, Ottinger's great, and they got Jason Robertson. They're they're a solid team. Yeah. They're well built. Yep. and yeah, they are. Uh, I think they're going to take him. It's a good series. So that leaves us then with Dallas and Carolina in the finals, or Dallas for you and I have Dallas, Florida. Huh, that's interesting. Well, we'll come back and see how wrong we were. But as the less teams there are, the more chance we have of getting right. So we should should we go back and do a show on the show where we made our predictions? I, we, you know, we can probably pull those up That'd and we can funny. show how bad we were. All right. But I think that anybody that made any predictions wasn't going to be right. Nobody, I don't think anybody thought. I, I, I did see a thing. You know how the NHL went to that bracket system now, with the, which is, I think is kind of stupid rather than reshuffling. But they said out of the over a million ballots, the brackets that were sent in, 14 got the final four teams. Right. Oh, that's right. That's uh, crazy. That's good. But you know, that's good for hockey too. It shows the parity. Everybody has a chance of really making it to the finals. Yep. And even during the regular season, there's a few teams obviously that fade away quickly, but uh, a lot of uh, cities had, uh, fan bases had a lot of, yeah, no, it's great. It's great for Vegas. Now. It's great for the hockey yeah. in the South. Yeah. And you should, you know, when the Devils won their cups, rinks started, you know, popping up all over New Jersey, yeah. which was great for for hockey in Jersey. But hopefully that'll happen in Carolina, Florida, yeah. Dallas. Well, they definitely did. I remember when Wayne got to LA, Wayne Gretzky got to LA, and oh, yeah. success there. All, all of a sudden, there's rinks popping up all over now. Good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, now we're going to the show. We got a great guest today. People are going to love this one. All right, Tom, we have a slick defenseman coming up. We have a two-time Stanley Cup champion. We have a guy who probably hung that minus five on you at the Dallas alumni game. We have Daryl Sador. Took my job, too, with the LA Kings. Came in like a young stud and took my job. I was way out the door. Daryl, how you doing, brother? Good. How are you guys doing? Very good. Very good. Good to see you again. That was a fun time at Dallas. That was a good event. <laughs> that was a blast, yeah. It was a quick weekend, but, you know, we tried to get a lot in. It was a lot of fun to see some guys. Hey, you look pretty good in the ice, too. You been skating a lot or no? Oh, come on. Oh, seriously? My wife actually took some videos, and I'm like, why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah says, compared to the body, Mine says go, but the the body says no. Oh, I, I turned around one time. I would go back for the puck, and I really thought I was moving my feet fast, and I came back to the bench, and Brian Mull died laughing at me. He says, you really thought you were going pretty good there, didn't you? <laughs> I said, yes, I did. If, if your wife wouldn't mind sending us some of those videos, if you're wheeling around, no, we yeah. love those. Yeah. Maybe the goals. How's that? We'll take them. Well, I, I need to start off with something first. Usually, we want to start, the, you know, when you're young and learning to play hockey, national hockey. But I was really, uh, I don't know, surprised is the right word. I really didn't, you know, we didn't play that long together, so I didn't know you that well. But I was really interested in the comments the other players that played with you uh, talked about, how your competitiveness, your toughness mentally, and that uh, that seemed like that was the, the guys that played with you, that's what they came away with, that the, the leader you were, the competitiveness. Is that how you see yourself? Uh, you know, I guess maybe I'm a little bit humble, but... Um... Yeah, I guess that's what I keep hearing. Um, you know, it's something I think that's been kind of in, uh, inbreded in me in uh, probably where I needed to get to to get to the National Hockey League level and that here at Canloops, uh playing my junior um, under Ken Hitchcock and uh, Mr. Bob, Bob Brown, uh, they really instilled that in us, is uh, work ethic and leadership. And I think it just <clears throat> it just carried on, you know. So where'd you grow up? What's your hometown? So I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta. Yeah, Edmonton, Alberta. Um, played all my matter hockey there until I was 16 and moved away to uh, to Kamloops. Right. Played my junior career, and then uh, yeah, that's how uh, that's how it all got started on the uh, cold outdoor rinks. There you go. Were you a good player right away? Were you one of the best players when you started? I don't believe so. You know, I was always one that just uh, had to kind of work hard to get what you wanted you know it wasn't uh you know my son's 19 now and plays uh in the western hockey league and he's got skill i don't believe i had that skill right one foot kids are different nowadays yeah. um, you know, in some ways that's kind of an advantage right when you don't have the skill because you know now you have to work harder if you have a dream and a goal of playing in the nhl you got to work harder because you don't have the skill right well and then you know let's go back to you know i'm obviously older and <clears throat> you played before me but i didn't work out until i got drafted yeah yeah. You know, I did a little thing. My dad would make me run the stairs in the house. Well, there's only 10 of them. Yeah. You know, so it, it was a lot different. And now it's a, a 12 month thing for these kids. Yeah, so it definitely is. Um, yeah. To be able to go to where I wanted to go, it, uh, you know, one guy back at Edmonton, Roy Stashek, that's now uh, a head scout with the Tri City Americans of the Western Hockey League, 
he's kind of really the guy that took me under his wing to introduce me to working out right. uh, the gym. You know, Club Fit, that was the gym back in the day. Yeah. And uh, so that's, you know, that's how it kind of got started. Yeah, definitely. So you moving away at 16. Some people say that sometimes, like, it's not a big deal. But it's a big deal to move away from home at 16 years old, right? I mean, most of us were small towns, you know, kind of shy a little bit. You move away at 15, 16 years old. That's, was that hard on you? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, now, you know, at 16, leaving home was tough. Yeah. And I remember that. You know, I remember my mom and dad dropped me off and, and then not seeing them and they got to drive eight hours to see me play right um in Kamloops because there wasn't the Edmonton Oil Kings or or those teams you know it was branded right. and well, it was Regina it was Swift Current for them to come and see or else come over here to Kamloops so it was it was difficult but you know nowadays you know with all these hockey academies and stuff yeah. kids are being at the age of 13. Yeah I know yeah this yeah remarkable to me. Yeah, I agree. See, like people just see it happening and think, well, it's no big deal, but it is a big deal. Like you're 13 years old and moving away from your family. It's stuff. I mean, you still have the dream of doing something, playing a national hockey league. That's what you have to do to, to accomplish that. But that's yeah, tough. Yeah. And, and Campbell's was a powerhouse at that point too, right? They had a real strong program there. <clears throat> yeah, we had a pretty good program. Uh, Mr. Brown and, and Hitch were here since uh, I believe it was 86. Um, you know, I came in under... I, after the guys like Rob Brown and Greg Hoggood and Greg Aptuszewski and, um, you know, so uh, Dean Evison. Um, so they had they had quality guys here and quality teams. And, yeah, they just kept building. And, you know, back then you, you kind of built, you lost your older guys, but guys came in underneath you. You know, first couple of years, you know, went to Memorial Cup. And then uh, once we won it in 92, they went on to win three and four years, which I don't think will ever be. Yeah, uh, broken again for an organization because of the turnover and how much you have to give up now for players. Sure. Uh, did you like Hitch as a coach? Yeah, I mean Hitch was Hitch. You know, I loved him as a coach here. Well, you know, I was I was young. I was sixteen. Um, you know, he'll always tell you the story, the opposite of me. But uh, you know, I was a <clears throat> how I started playing hockey was uh, I got listed with the countless blazers when I was 11 years old oh. and I couldn't play until I was 60, right. but I was a, I was a four, a D man because, uh, I went for my club hawk, my club team that I wanted to play with. You played with your communities mm -hmm. and then you tried to make a club team in the city. And my dad recognized that there wasn't as many D men on the trials. So I tried out for a D man and made it. So I played D, but every time I came to Kamloops, it would put me on four because he said I was too slow and it would never play. Oh, um, until my draft year when we had some injuries on D and they put me on back on D because they knew I played it. Uh, and then it, the rest is, is it now yeah. not attracted as a D man and play as a D man. But, um, Hitch was Hitch. He was a, he was a hard nosed coach. Right. Right. You know, I didn't know any different and, uh, he carried that on through his career, yeah. which I think it instilled, you know, work ethic in me and accountability. That is the thing with Hitch. I mean, who he is is who he is. He's not, it's all, that it never changed no matter what happened. I had some guys when I represented uh, that played with him and they didn't like him too much and they let him know, but it's, he did change. That's the way he was. And then I, well, it, it, no, it, it, you're totally right. I remember sitting to one time in, uh, in Montreal and getting benched and Hitch wrote, looked down to Rick Wilson. I was our D coach and told him to sit me while I was mad. And, uh, Sat for a little bit, went out, and then I ended up scoring a goal. Oh. And I come back to the bench, and Craig Ludwig goes, "Way to go! He just made him look like a genius." <laughs> so uh, he had his way. He had his way to get underneath you, yeah. and uh, you know, light the fire. Rick Wilson is that the same guy we had in L.A. Rick Wilson, yeah, coaches? yeah big man. I I liked him. He was a good man, good coach. Yeah, very very good man. He's retired now and living in uh, living in Dallas. Oh, okay. But he just retired a couple of years ago. Yeah, he got out of the game and then came back for a while, right? He did, yeah. He, uh, out of, he got out of the game for about a year maybe and then came back. So. I remember him because he was, he'd gone through a back problem too like I did, and uh, I was so stubborn. I wasn't going to change anything. I thought, I, you know, which is, I guess, as you know, that's how we make it because we won't change our, right? We just keep going. But then at the end of your career where I needed to change things, like my training and everything, he was great. He'd skate around with me before practice and call Rashid. He'd go, stop it. I know what you're thinking. you got to change. you got to change. And if I had to listen to him now, I, I would have played longer, but that's where we were. Yeah, but so what round were you drafted in? Uh, first round. Oh, jeez. Yeah, nice. 
So you looked at the lineup and said, listen, I can take late last job right away. Is that what happened? <laughs> hey, you know what? My actually first, first camp, um, was in Hull, Quebec. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually got into a fight here in blazer camp and broke my, uh, uh, finger. Uh, one guy was picking on one of the euros I were here that he was living with me and I didn't like it. So I got in a fight at ended up breaking my finger so I couldn't participate on the ice, on the ice stuff. So, right. um, you know what? It was a young kid. You're going into that locker room. Come on. Yeah. And we saw it. Right. And it's just like, uh, you just try to not fit in, but just don't be too noticeable on the other end. Even for me as a veteran player, we got Larry Robinson, uh, Wayne Petsky, Dave Taylor, all those guys, Johnson, LA, all those guys. It was, that was a fun team to be on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you, she came into camp. You couldn't participate in anything. Uh, then did you come back in like a half season on the National Hockey League that year? Well, that would have been my 18 year old year. So the next year I went back to Canada and played, and then I came back and played for half a year. Yeah. So 91, 92 was my first half year. I, I played roughly about 18 games. Okay. Um, I went to world juniors and then came back to, uh, Cantaloupes. Okay. Um, good. And then yeah, 92, 93. So then you came in the following season and played the full season. Yeah. 92, 93. Right. And they went to the finals. What year was that? 92, 93. Is that at the end? 92, 93. Oh, so you have first full year is the year they went to the finals. Yeah, it's going to happen every year, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah. We went to semifinals my first year. Yeah, that's what he felt like, too. Yeah, yeah. he took yeah. he took a spot from a guy who, uh, you know, was holding him back, I think. Yeah, I was holding the team back. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, lost, lost to Montreal, and then, uh, you know, we didn't make the playoffs for five years after. Oh, is that right? I didn't realize that. Wow. Yeah. So that was the year you went to the finals, and Marty McSorley gets the illegal stick. Uh, what's the feeling in the locker room like when Marty does that? Well, there was a lot of frustration, obviously, from some of the big boys. Um, and frustration from everybody. Right. Uh, nobody was happy about it and kind of, you know, disbelief that it just happened like that. And, yeah. and, uh, and guys weren't, uh, more cautious, I guess. Right. You know, cause I think every team had yeah you know, situations like that. I mean, Paul Coffey had three or four sticks. He had a power play stick and even strength stick, a penalty kill stick, right. you know, and so it just, uh, it was unfortunate, but it was obviously a big moment. Yeah. You know. What game What game was out of the finals? That would have been game two. That's right. So, so game two, we were up, and we could have been going home for yeah. um, up to nothing. That's right. Yeah. Just a setting, too. Marty Restore was, I mean, he fought for everybody. So you got to give him, like, Marty was a guy that if something had to happen on the ice, he, he didn't have to tell him what to do. He went out and made sure he took care of everybody. So, he, you know, one side, people got, well, you know, Marty, I guess he got a little bit of leeway there. And it's also the thing in a place like Montreal, the trainers for the other team, we're coming over measuring the sticks probably too, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what happened is yeah, measuring the sticks when we weren't there or and or um you know you're, you you put your stick on that little rocker thing that little stick rack and you wheel it around the rake while well, now it's exposed right so yeah. Yeah. um you know players know you know players got good eyes on what yeah what curves are big and stuff like that so yeah you can tell when the guy's got a legal curve but then yeah. you got to get it verified right now yeah yeah. I remember that too. And that was when, uh, who scored the goal in that, uh, Desjardins. Desjardins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, that year, that year we lost, uh, I think we lost the next few games except for the final in overtime. Right. Montreal went on to win, I think nine overtimes at that play. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. Leclerc scored a ton of goals. Right? Ton of yeah. Leclerc was hot in the overtime. Right. So that's the first year you go to the finals. Don't make the playoffs for the next five years. How many years did you stay in LA? Uh, I got traded in 95, 96 to Dallas. Oh, you didn't? Okay. You know, I was there for about, you know, I played about five seasons there. Right. Um, in LA. And then, uh, yeah, then I got traded. Right. I was just uh, young. Right. Just got married. Oh. Um, so it's like, you know, it's your first trade. Sure. Yeah. What's going to happen? And, you know, you have traded to Dallas. So you start, actually, we had a morning skate that day and I heard rumor and I remember Kelly Rudy coming up to me and saying, Hey, don't let them break you, you know, just get dressed, be a professional, get on the ice. And, uh, so I went through my morning routine, got dressed and, uh, went on the ice. I did about one lap and then they sent the trainer out to get me. Oh, and hey, what would Kelly mean? Why would Kelly say, don't let them break you? Is something going on at that time or, uh, just, you know, I think just mentally, you know, like just be strong. Okay. Um, don't let this kind of affect you and worry you, you know, type right. thing. Right. Um, yeah, he was, he was, he was good for me. Yeah. Was, yeah. Kelly was a really professional, like good guy, yeah. good team player. Yeah. Darryl, what's that, what's that like though? Cause for fans, you know, they're listening, like 
we don't get traded. So how does, someone tells you, okay, you're moving, deal with it. Like, how does that, how do you feel mentally? How does that, what does that do to you? Well, uh, at the time, I mean, you know, obviously I'm playing with, you know, Rob Blake and Alex Shitnick and these guys, we ate pregame together all the time. My wife cooked. So, um, it was a game day. Everybody's coming over for pregame meal. Oh, you know, I ended up getting traded on the morning at morning skate. Everybody still came over. Uh, and then it's just like, it's just like a whirlwind. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm getting traded. I got to pack up what I need. Can't pack everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, it's wide open thinking of a whole bunch of different scenarios. What, what, what is Dallas? You know, what's the team like? Just how do I fit in? Um, so it's, you know, your mind is racing all over the place. Yeah. yeah I've talked about too. One of the funniest things I think is when other people get traded, you just move on with your business. You have to, you gotta get ready for the next game, next practice. But when you get traded, it's like, where's everybody? Everybody's gone, but they're, yeah, you know, it's, you feel alone, right? You yeah. feel alone. When you go on the plane. You feel, you know, you feel small, you feel alone. You, you, you're a lot of wonder, yeah. right? I'm going to a new team that's been together. Yeah. Uh, I got traded for Doug Zmolek and Shane Churla. Oh. And, um, you know, it's just, you, and then it hadn't, and, and I didn't even have time to get to know the guys. I got flown in afternoon games. So I get to the, you know, hotel and it's right to the rink. And then it's like, okay, now what? You know, so you know how it with nerves and stuff like that. Yeah. Totally. We just hope for the best and keep it simple. Yeah. And you're a leader too. And you walk into that locker room, you just can't become a leader right away at a new locker room. They've already got their hierarchy there and you've got to be careful about stepping on your toes. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So how many years did you play in Dallas? I played a total of uh, nine seasons there. Right. Um, I played uh, six or seven in a row. And then uh, I went to Columbus, got traded back. Or no, sorry, I went to Columbus. Columbus, about five months, went to Tampa. Then they traded me back to Dallas. And then I went from there. Went to Pittsburgh, and then they traded me back again after a year and a half. Oh, that's right. You told me that. That's right, Jeff. Yeah. I went what? back to Dallas three times. I played a total of nine seasons. Let, let's talk about that 99 season, if you if you don't mind. That, that was a pretty nice run for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, if you think of back uh, to the cup finals, obviously the first one, being young, you know, just trying to fit in and be in the lineup, really. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, in Dallas, we built, you know, Bob Ganey and, and Hitch – um, these guys and Mr. Hicks, the owner, they built the team. Um, and we were part of that team from 95, you know, 95, 96 after m- myself. And then they acquired Sergey Zubov and then they acquired Joe Newendike, you know, and obviously then the last piece was Brett Hall. So, you know, being to that final in 99 and we could never get past Detroit, right. Detroit always got us and we were able to get back by him finally. Um, but you know, it's a different sense of, how not how important it was, but how much you were a part of this winning team. Sure, you know, five years that we went on to win, you know, division titles, um, but we just couldn't get over that that hump. Um, and then to finally win it in '99, and and then go back to the final in 2002 with a loss against Jersey. Okay. Right. Was that the when you won? Was that Arnott scored the winning goal? Was that the winning goal that he scored? Arnott scored the winning goal in Jersey against us in 2000. Oh, that's where it was. Okay. Brett, yeah. Brett Hall scored the game winner. Yeah. You know, we, we just, we had James Patrick on recently and he, he said they knew right away it was a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Holly scored that goal. Uh, I think it's very talented goal. A lot of hand by there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He was good. He was good. So, yeah. What's the feeling after that? I mean, you guys just, I mean, there's probably nothing like it, right? Because Tom's never won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing like it. I mean, you know, you go through the regular season, but the playoffs are so grueling. Yeah. Um, and I remember we had like, we had guys, I think we had six or seven guys that lined up outside the doctor's door, you know, to get, just to get that, you know, back then it was just boom, get a shot, right. get you through, you know, whether it was torn ligaments, whether it was a knee, whether it was a shoulder, yeah, you know, um, so you, you go through a lot, but I think you saw it all if you look at the uh, facial expressions of Mike Medow being there for so many years and being obviously a face of the franchise for, for him to finally uh, his caliber of player to yeah. win a championship. Um, yeah. It's exhil- exhilarating. Yeah. So for people that don't know you get, they do it sometimes during the regular season, but especially in the playoffs, 
the guys get hurt. They get hurt pretty bad. Broken bones, uh, you know, uh, Patrice Bergeron out of Boston, some of the injuries he's played with, and they end up freezing it. So you, the the injury is still there. You just don't feel the pain. So the pain's still happening. They've numbed it, so you play. So it, guys go through a lot, uh, and yeah. it's kind of the it's kind of the culture of the game, right? That that's that's a badge of honor. Like you you almost I know you don't want to get hurt, but that's part of the process of winning the Stanley Cup. You want to go through that. Yeah, and you put your you put your body on the line. Yeah, you know, um, we had guys with torn ligaments in their hand, uh, broken fingers. You know, we had knee. We had one guy with a a, a really bad ankle. Um, so, but you want to be part of it. You go to war. You've yeah. gone to war with these guys all year, and now you have an opportunity. You know, and and not even that, but even the playoffs that we played, and even that game. I think that game finished at like one in the morning or something. Like three overtimes. I mean, guys were getting IVs in between intermission. Yeah. Well, because you can't keep your fluids up. So um, a lot goes in behind the scenes. Uh, that's why it's the hardest trophy to win, I believe. Yeah, totally, totally. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So what, how are you feeling at the time? You get traded away, they bring you back. Three times you've gone through that. What were you thinking? Like, do you want me or not? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, 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 uh, you know, like I said, the first trade was, you don't know. Right. Um, and then, you know, I got the movement of myself was more at the end of my career. Right. Um, so I knew my role. Um, you know, my role was to, you know, be solid, be a leader at, at the beginning, I was just going about my business and being a player. Um, but when you're in a locker room with guys such as, you know, at the start with Charlie Huddy and Yeri Curry and, and Wayne and Tommy Laidlaw. Yeah. Tommy Laidlaw and, and Larry Rock, like you see how they're, they go about their day. And then you go to Dallas and you got Craig Ludwig and Pete Carbon and Mike Keane and Brian Scrooge. like, I mean, oh my gosh. Like, so I, I, you know, each day was like a school day for me just to learn sure. from these guys. Sure. And uh, so then now these guys gave me so much. When I go to Columbus to a younger team, I was not that caliber, but I was brought there to be a, you know, a leader and somebody for the younger guys to look at. So I knew my role. Right. Um, and even with Tampa and then Pittsburgh also too, you know, Chris Letang's first year. That's right. Hawkins' first year. I think Sid's, you know, second year, but he had Mark Retke and Gary Roberts, you know. So, but those trades, you know, you kind of have a sense of why you're, what, why you're being traded for right. and, and what you're going to do compared to the first one. Right. So Lukowicz spoke and we were in that town and he spoke about you uh, standing up, making a speech. Where was that? You guys were playing together. We told that speech. Yeah, that was in New York, and he he says this every time. And uh, you know, I've been one to, I don't speak a lot. Right. Like I I hate speaking in front of a locker room and stuff like that because he's right. I do get emotional. Right. Um, it's kind of like right off my right coming right from my heart off my sleeve, and sometimes I feel you know embarrassed a little bit. But yeah, I spoke in the island and, you know, we, we had a good team in, in, in Tampa, a lot of young guys. And I think we were just feeling like I felt in, in LA where it's going to happen every year, right. you know? And I just, it just, I tried to make them realize that this doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. You know, um, you have to take advantage of it. And, um, we went on to be able to do that. And you can tell that he really, that meant a lot to him. Like he really remembered that moment when you got up and spoke. Like that was a pretty special moment. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And, and I didn't mean any of, like I didn't, 
not that I didn't mean it. Um, you know, I just spoke. I didn't know how big it was going to be. Right. I just wanted to say my piece, and if my piece is good enough, if it helped one guy, you know. That's pretty cool. And then you wind up playing for torts, right? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, torts. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me my favorite coaches. Um, obviously, you know, Hitch was a great coach, uh, but John Tortorella is right there. Yeah. Uh, he is he's probably one of my favorite coaches that I played with. And, you know, you see a lot of this stuff in the media and stuff like that. You know, I was a little bit older. I didn't come in when he came in there and what happened with Vinny LeCabier and, and Marty. But I really believe, and I think it's maybe changed a little bit, but, you know, um, he's a straight shooter. He'll tell you how it is. And he'll tell you what's on his mind. And, he, and he'd like a guy like you, too, because you came to play all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, we had a, uh, a good relationship, but, and that's his thing. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't have, you don't have a factor with them if you just come out and do what you do. Yeah. Totally. You know, if you do what you do, you're going to be fine with it. And you do it consistently too, right? He needs to know that you're not always going to be perfect, but he needs to know that you're going to show up and do your job and he can worry about other players. And yeah. Question. Yeah. So how many seasons did you get in the NHL? Uh, 18. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If somebody told you you're eight years old, you're going to play 18 years in National Hockey. That'd be pretty cool, right? I know. Yeah. Never would have thought it. Yeah. yeah. So I was able to, I was able to get 18. And, you know, when I retired, my wife was saying, like, what are you, like, go for another one. I'm like, I'm just, it, my retirement was, I was just kind of done, you know. Right. Um, and mentally and physically? Mentally and physically. Right. Just putting the time in. Yeah. And, you know, you see what the kids are doing now. Um, you know, I was still going six days a week training. Yeah. Um, but it was it was getting harder at that age. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So now, so you finished in at, at Dallas or no? I finished in St. Louis. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I went to St. Louis on a uh, PTO and uh, ended up playing there for a year. Man. So did you know at that point that, what you wanted to do after the game. So now the game's over. You've played it all your life. No idea what you wanted to do. No idea. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I kind of had a feeling I would like to get into possibly coaching or working with uh, development in some aspects. Um, because really at the end of my career, um, I had a lot of younger D-men that I was playing with and helping out. And I, I liked that. Yeah. Uh, I was still able to play, but you know, give insight back. And, you know, I really thought that what was given to me at a young age with the older guys, it was time for me to give back to. Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, retired for about a half an hour and then got offered a coaching job. So where was your first job? Uh, so Mike Yo, that I was with Pittsburgh, uh, when I was with Pittsburgh, he was a assistant coach there and we kind of established a little bit of a friend, not friendship, but a relationship. Um, because I was, <clears throat> I was in and out. I was playing. I was in and out. Um, so he was the guy that kind of skated players a lot, you know, the aces and stuff like that. So yeah. I guess he saw what I did or how I kind of went about my business with others, and he thought I'd be a, a good candidate. So uh, Houston Arrows, it was uh, our first team or my first coaching gig, um, Minnesota's farm team. Right. And uh, how long did you stay there? We actually were only there a year. Oh. Um, we were there a year and, um, then, uh, there were some changes up in, uh, in Minnesota. Mike got the head job there and then he dropped me up to Minnesota. Oh, that's right. How many, how were we there a few years or where? Uh, I think we were in Minnesota for a total of about six years. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. And what after that then? I was about six years there. And then, uh, I went down to, um, after Mike Lott got let go and they changed the staff, I went to um, Chicago Wolves uh, with Craig Berube. Oh, wow. And uh, went there for a year. Went there for a year, and then he got the job in St. Louis, so I went up there for a year, and then that's why I called it quits. Okay. Craig Berube, I like him as Coach Berube. He's a good coach. Well, he's, he's old school, yeah, but very knowledgeable of the game and uh, very knowledgeable about adapting to the game and the style of the game. But his his roots of what he teaches is still back from what he believes, which is yeah, definitely work ethic. Right? So this is a little bit of a touch of your subject, and you've talked about this openly, uh, publicly. You had the step, uh, you had a drinking problem at some point that you had to get dealt with. 
yeah, no, it's uh that's a huge uh a huge thing in my my life and my career. I mean, I was never one to um drink a lot when I played. I mean, I remember going out to to dinner with the players in LA and I have a glass of milk. Like I never I never did, but you know what? It, it uh it it got me uh probably more the end of my career. Right. You know, you asked a question of what I was thinking of doing. I had no idea. Right. Uh maybe a little bit of worry. What are you going to do after hockey? What's life going to bring? Um and my uh I'm not saying comfort, but my my fault was I relied on alcohol for that answer right. or to push those answers aside sure and not deal with it so yeah i got uh got into trouble with uh with alcohol uh dui and uh you know did my time with that and uh it's it's something that it's it's every day you know it's always on my mind yeah totally well, I told you before the show, and I really mean it too. I, I really admire you. I know you don't want to go through that, but if you have to go through it, uh, you've dealt with it, right? You got help and you dealt with it. So I think it's a great example for your kids, for other people around that there people have issues, mental health issues, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. You got to do something about it, make yourself better. So I think you, again, the fact that you talk about it openly or willing to talk about it here, I think is fantastic. So yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, is talking about it, yeah. you know, especially the mental health side and whether it's uh, alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever it is, it's it's be able to. Uh, there is somebody there for you if yeah. you if you open up. I've I've learned too that uh, that some trauma that may have happened to you when you're younger kind of triggers an addiction like that. Was there something like that for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um, you know it goes back. Uh, I did a lot of uh, therapy and a lot of treatment, and uh, you know your inner child is a huge thing. You can't. There's, there's something, there's always something there. Right. And it's, you know, the, the cliche, you got to peel the onion back, right? Layers and layers and layers. Um, yeah, it came back to about, you know, I don't know if I want to really get specific on it, but it, it got back to my youth and, uh, around seven years old right. of, of why, um, I've kind of, um, not been, let's say vocal when I have issues or vocal when I had situations and. And now I am, but, um, why I maybe shut down and would look for another source to, uh, to change the path of that day. Sure. Do your kids understand what you've been through and what you've done? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. My kids were older. You know, I got pulled over with my son in the car, oh. uh, not thinking that's what I wanted to do that day, right. but, um, you know, it's, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the family's been to treat, not treatment, but therapy right uh, to deal with it they know they know my situation obviously and and they know that uh you know one of the in legal not illegal but legal drugs in the world is is one of the highest rate of addiction the al alcohol yes right is there any history of alcohol problems in your family at all you know you look back you know being born in 1972 and being from a Ukrainian and Polish family, you can look back as what I know now, yeah. possibility, but nobody uh, to the extent of uh, of getting you know help and and looking more into it. Yeah, I look back too, and I just you know I'm not going to blame the culture. I, I love playing national hockey, but that was especially when I played. That was part of the culture. Now again, I didn't have to do it just because it's part of the culture, but I remember when I retired from playing, got in the Asian business and. Uh, I was scared to death because I started taking phone calls from clients and the night I'm thinking I was still having six, eight, 10 beers. And I wake up in the morning thinking, geez, I, was I stuttering? Was I slurring my words? Can I remember yeah. the conversations? And I was scared. I just like, I, I, I my, there's a history of alcoholism, I think in my family. And, uh, I, I quit for five years and it was the weirdest thing. And I've said this before. The, my biggest concern was like, what are people going to think of me if I'm not drinking beer? Like what? This is, yes. It's stupid, right? It's like, uh, again, hey, exactly. it's yeah. what it, and it's the, uh, you know, I don't know from the athlete that you, you know, we feel that we are bigger than yeah. normal. Right. Um, and it can't happen to us. What will people think if yeah. I'm an athlete and I have to, you know, acknowledge that I'm an alcoholic, you yeah. know, was that one of the biggest issues for you when you had to acknowledge that, that what people were thinking? You know, probably one of the scariest things is obviously when, uh, you know, I got, I got my DUI and pulled over and went to treatment, you know, you know, the cops, uh, they knew who I was, 
Um, but then it was on, you know, ESPN and, yeah. and all that. So it was publicized. My biggest, the, the, the most scared, I guess I was, was after treatment coming out and going back into the real world. Right. Cause it's not controlled like it was when you're in treatment. Right. And, uh, yeah, going into somewhere where people know you, how do they look at you? Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you know, the eyes are going to be on you. Yeah. Um, what are they thinking? Um, but that's something that I've learned that I have no control what they yeah. think, Hard you know? And like I said, the reality is I think most people, uh, yeah, the hockey world would look at you as you're an idol kind of, you went through something and you dealt with it. You didn't just try to hide it. You didn't go do it again. You didn't blame anybody else. You get it and you got help with it. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think people admire you for way you handle it. So yeah, it's, it's been a long road, but, uh, you know, as of today, I'm feeling strong and, and feeling good and, you know, Hopefully I've helped one person throughout. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So what are you doing now then? You're working with the Kamloops uh, Minor Hockey Association? Yeah, so Director of Development for Coaching and Player Development for Kamloops Minor Hockey here. And then also doing some stuff with an agency uh, out of Edmonton, just some draft prospect uh, eligible players. Cool. Um, you know, watching video, doing some Zoom. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's one thing for these players to, they're going through a lot and there's a lot of heat. Not heat, but, you know, um, you know, do they talk to their parents or it's something that, you know, they're able to talk to me and we kind of, as D men, it's mostly D men. It's, you know, you kind of talk the same language sure. uh, when you're looking at video and stuff like that. And it's quite fun. Yeah. And I, you know, I get to be home and, and do it and not have to travel. Sure. What's the future goal for you? Is there anything else you want to do? Who knows? You know, every day is a, a new thing. Um, but you know, it's like, you know, my wife said like, you know, that, that, that weekend in Dallas, you know, if I'm not sober and I'm not in recovery, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And we have a blast, you yeah. know, and, and good things are happening, um, when you do it the right way. And, uh, yeah, like retired and, but busier than heck. Yeah. You want to stay that way, right? Yeah. You don't want to retire and sit around and do nothing. That's uh yeah. I joke around. I said, I'm not going to go to the golf course and pull my pants up to my nipples and walk around and like some, yeah. no, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, let me ask you this kind of a touchy question. I ask a lot of guys this that have been through stuff like, yeah, do you love yourself now? Now I do. Yeah. Yeah, now I do. Before I didn't. Yeah, that's part of the process, right? Yeah, yeah, it's part of the process. And I think, you know, one of the things is I still have those days, though, when I look back and think, ah, oh, man, wasn't I an idiot? Like, why did I do that, you know? I know. But then I look on the other side of it and said, you know what? Proud of myself for, yeah. for getting through it and putting the work in. Yeah. Um, that's the, like, you know, I, one question I had for, a for, a, a therapist once is that like, how, how, how come I can't, you know, get this? How come I can't, um, just, you know, I had so much willpower yeah. when I was a hockey player yeah. to, you know, go through hard practices and take those hits and stuff like that. And how come like, I should be able to just say, no, I'm not drinking. Right. And she's like, do you know the, diff the difference between willingness and willpower? And I said, no, I don't. And she's like, willingness is asking for help and being vulnerable to be able to open up. And that's what you need is willingness, not willpower, because willpower gets you into trouble. And so, I mean, so did you have willingness at that point then when you were asking that question? Or you learned how? I was still, I was still in like kind of the, the why, why am I here? How come this is happening to me type right. thing? Right. You know, when you're. You know, the, the old athlete, like I've done so much, yeah. you know, how can I, how can I break? Right. Um, but now, um, probably one of my biggest, or I, th I believe is, is my vulnerability Yeah. Uh, to be able to open up and talk about it and go out to a restaurant with, you know, buddies or whatever, and, you know, not have a drink, have a Coke, they're having beers or even on the golf course, right. you know, and just be me. Are you, do you think it's changed your relationship with your kids and your wife too, that you're willing to be that vulnerable person now? Well, there's, there's a lot of times that they say, I haven't seen dad like this, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. like the smiling and, you know, laughing or, yeah. or something, you know, yeah. um, but cause before I was so focused on one thing yeah. and I was just, you know, providing and, and the game of hockey, Yeah, you know? That is the thing, and I've talked to a few guys about this, and I believe this too, that we, as much as it's fantastic playing in the National Hockey League, being an athlete and all the great things that comes with it, how hard you had to work to get there, in some ways it kind of screws up part of your life, right? Because now we play until our 
you know, in their 30s or whatever. And all these other people now have started. They've got out of college. They got married, had kids. And now they're in the real world. And But we're not in the real world. We're in this phony world. But we don't know we're in this phony world, right? Until now the game ends and we realize, oh, geez, I, I need to get started in real life, right? It's uh, And again, it's yeah. not whining and complaining. It was fantastic. I do it all over again. I'm sure you would too. But yeah, it's we don't have the normal life that everybody else does, yeah? And, and the kids never either. You know, we have four boys and, you know, I'd get traded, they'd move there too, you know, like um, a lot of different schools, you know. The good thing is when I got traded, they were just starting preschool and, and stuff like that in kindergarten. But once we get into Minnesota, um, you know, we stayed there until our twins graduated mm-hmm. uh, because it was big. But, you know, and little things like they've missed out on is traveling, yeah. you know. I travel all the time sure. you know, to wherever. Yeah. But, you know, the summer came along and it's like, I don't want to travel anymore. Yeah. Well, they miss out on that kind of stuff. You know, they hear of their friends and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of, um, you know, different things that great for me, but not for us. Yeah. That was the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Sid. Uh, thank you very much. Again, we did not get to play together that much, uh, but uh, we didn't get to know each other that much either. But I've seen you from afar. And again, the things that people say about you, you should be very proud about that, that that's the way people look at you. And again, like I said, I know you went through a tough time with drinking, but to recover from it the way you did, uh, really put your heart and soul in that for yourself, for your family, everybody else. Uh, you're doing some great things. So great job. Thank you for having me on, guys. My Thanks, pleasure. Great to have you on, Daryl. Talk to you soon. See you guys. Keep up. Uh, that was a cool interview with the guy who stole your job in, in L.A., man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the great deal. So, you know, and again, when we were at the uh, alumni weekend in Dallas, some of the guys talking about him and the reputation he built. Uh, I should be very proud. He's kind of a quiet guy, but apparently when he gets up in the locker room, he speaks. It's very impactful. Yeah, you know, and that's that, that was really powerful for us to hear because, he, you know, he struggled and he was open and honest. And yeah. that was a very, you know, deep conversation. Yeah, I love that. Like I told him, too, he should be very proud of himself. He fought through the alcohol problem and he really didn't have much of a choice. But, you know, some guys still fight it. And he just, you know, he wanted, you can tell he wanted to learn. How am I going to get out yeah. of this? And he got help. And hopefully if anybody listening to this is in a similar situation, you know, yeah. get help. You know, do, you know, yeah, the people out there can definitely help you. Yeah, that was a very impactful show. Yep, great show. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. If you like the Full Change podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.